Hey everybody, it's Jessup Warnock, the Director of Marketing at 7 Figure Flipping. Today's podcast is a presentation from our five-day event in Cancun. This is just a 30-minute window into a five-day event. The two speakers that are presenting, Stan Wilder and Johnny Lynham, two of my favorites, are going to go into project management, managing renovations, contractor relationships. The reason I'm setting all this up is the fact that the audio is not amazing when it comes to the crowd asking questions. Our presentations at our mastermind are very interactive with the crowd, and we just couldn't mic up 50 people because there's 50 people in this room. If you want to be in these presentations, the window to join Runway is now open up until May 10th. So we're going to put a link in the description of this podcast. We've never opened up the Runway window outside of Flip Hacking Live ever before. And the reason we've done it is we've had so many people asking for it, saying, I want to join, I want to join. Click the link, apply, see if you qualify, join Runway, and be at these events. All right, I'll stop talking. Here's Stan Wilder and Johnny Lynham on project management. Okay. Well, if anybody can't hear me, let me know. I I I don't think I've ever had that problem. Um, My name's Stan Wilder. I'm an Altitude member. I've been a part of the group for the last uh, about a year and a half, going two years. And my market is New Jersey, South Jersey, outside of Philadelphia. And right now I'm doing about 15, 20 flips a year. And I do all, everything by myself. Uh, but don't follow that model. But it can be, it can be done, but don't follow that model. Um, as far as the topic we're going to talk about today, project management, I do everything myself. Um, I find ways to get it done. And just through meticulous note-taking and stuff like that and tracking. Um, and then Johnny has another way to do it, but that's pretty much what I do. So. Yep, then I'm Johnny Lyon. Um, but Altitude, I joined back in October. Um, you know, going through my markets in Panama City, Florida, and most recently got back in Birmingham. <laughs> and, uh, and I kind of I have to use the team approach because I'm no longer in my markets. And so that's one of the things that just leads the team from the contractor perspective. The, uh, from the contractor perspective, that uh, making sure that they're on task and having the right people on the ground, having a good relationships, communication, to, in order to make sure that these projects are successful. And so I think that's the biggest thing that we're going to talk about today, if we can click through the slides. Um, but a little bit back about me, um, I've done project management before for the Air Force. I'm still active duty Air Force. Um, been doing that a little bit over 16 years, led large development contracts. Uh, wrote a book last year about real estate investing, built up a portfolio over the last uh, eight, nine years and continue to grow that. And uh, I have my forward-facing company, Operation Restore for Motivated Sellers that we work with and then Operation Invest, just educating, talking and speaking to investors that want to learn and then also um, bringing on private investors through that process. By failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. You got to have a plan, and that's the biggest thing with going through. When you get this, when you get your houses under contract, you got that's when you start laying out the plan, laying out the framework on how you're going to be successful and how you're going to take this project from a mess to something that a homeowner can be proud of and and, and buy and take and uh, and cash out for your investors and profit for yourself. So project management. We're going to get, I know we only got like 35 minutes, but we're going to get through it. But project management is simply just using knowledge, skills, tools, and techniques 
to deliver something of value to people. And in our game is real estate. That's the value that we're, deal we're, we're delivering. And you all, as the real estate investors, you are the leaders and the managers in order to make this project be successful. So the fundamentals talk about goal setting, manage your risk, establish a performance baseline. All a performance baseline is, is what are we going to do? What's the plan? And measure the performance when you start executing the plan. And then going through and establishing and maintaining healthy communication, kind of those, that leadership piece, you got to be communicating and early and on until you really learn your contractors and build a good relationship, you got to over-communicate. If you have any inkling of a question or don't know something, ask. And early on in the project, you need to be there more than not be there. Um, unfortunately, like with me, I, I was working active duty, I had my day job, and I was stopped by projects when I was living in Panama City, and going through communicating during the day on lunch break, I'm calling, hey, everything's good, my wife's managing the materials and all that, or something can't be delivered, to some, someone needs to go pick it up. It's a lot of orchestration, so it's the hands-on piece, and the more you become hands-on, the, the better off that you're gonna be, and nothing's gonna slide through the crack. Yeah, with, with that, and when you're setting your goals and establishing your performance baseline, that's pretty much going to tie into your scope of work. Does everybody understand what the scope of work is? That is going to be like your, your unofficial Bible to get you through the whole project because um, they're going to sign off on that as a part of their contract normally um, or separate than that, but they're going to have that, and everybody goes by that. There's nothing, oh, you know, I didn't do this. Well, a, page three right here, brother, you signed for it. Let's go. Why is it not done? You know, sometimes it's as hard as that. Sometimes it's a little bit more lenient. Um, scope of work, SOW. Um, and once you have that, that's going to set your expectations, going to set your goals, your timelines, and everything that goes with it. All right? Got to prepare. Exit strategies, figure out going in. You guys already know this. Are you, is it going to be a burr? Is it going to be a rental? Is it going to be a flip? Because that means something different when you go through your scope of work, the level of materials that you're going to use. Um, the process that you're gonna go through, it'll be the same for the renovation, but you're gonna make some decisions along the way that are gonna align because it's not gonna necessarily be the same for each one. Um, one of the things with home inspection, early on, I, was out of, I wasn't there, and even if I was there, I didn't know a lot about the construction process, so I paid for a home inspector. I sent out a professional home inspector, go out like, hey, tell me what's wrong with this house. It was easier back like in 2015, those days when, you know, it was multiple offers and you could have, now a lot of times you may not even have a contingency for inspection and to try to schedule somebody and it takes two or three days to get there. But if you have that leisure where, you know, you're off market, you get it under contract, you can send your home inspector out or walk with your contractor if you already have a contractor to get that expertise and eyes on to make sure that one, you know everything that's going on, and then two, is there something catastrophic that you may not plan for that may be a deal breaker that you learn that now before you close and kind of run, in that, run into that unexpectedly. And then contractor estimates. We're, I won't even talk about this. You guys already know the exit strategies to kind of go through. Home inspection costs a couple hundred bucks if you don't know, or get your, your favorite contractor if you got one already aligned, walk it with them, ask questions, look at and go through and uh, get them to provide you that scope of work. And that's the next thing that we're going to kind of go in is, and talk through is what exactly you need to look for when you go through with the scope of work. And a lot of these times, do you, all walk, do you all walk your own properties or do you have somebody that's doing that for you? Okay. That's the time where you document video, uh, images, make sure you capture all that information where you can go back, sit down, 
and plan out the, but the scope of work and share with your contractor, like, hey, this is what I'm thinking for this. And then open that communication up, get their feedback, like, hey, did you, if they walked it with you or look at these pictures and hey, what are, what are your thoughts about this? Should we tear down, open up this wall? What is that gonna mean? Is that load bearing, is it not? And kind of get their input so now you can have a detailed, as, as, as most detailed as possible scope of work, whereas that you're not getting hit with, over the head with change orders and things like that. Um, when you, let me ask you just a show of hands here. When you guys go to look at a property, do you take your contractor with you or do you go back a second time? Or even go back a third time, whatever it is? I bring them to all the times. Okay. A little ninja trick, once you get a little bit more familiar with cost and what you're looking for, I just go to the property, I take a little short video, start from the outside, cover it, narrate it all the way through, we're doing the siding, we're gonna hit the roof, we're gonna hit the windows, all the way through, we're gonna open this wall, do this bathroom, blah, 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 everything you're gonna do, take it home, and I'm out of the house in like 15 minutes. And then that way, I can see five, six, seven houses in a day, and not spend an hour and a half at each property. And then go home at night, you can narrate, you know, break it down to video, break down all your costs and everything, take extra time and then bring up the special notes, like you said, that you want to point out to a contractor. Because sometimes, I know how contractors are, you make an appointment to meet at a property at 10 o'clock, either they don't show or they show up late, this way you can, you can move on with your day, keep it moving, come back to them like, hey, you'll look at the house and point out whatever, this is the wall I'm talking about, and so on and so forth. So you have Whatever you're comfortable with, whatever you're comfortable with. I, I know my numbers and I know my rehab, so I just, I, I do the video, then I make my offer, and then once we're accepted, then I walk through on my contractor. And then at that point, we fine tune it, come up with the scope of work. I have a situation where I'm into markets, so one of them is in Salt Lake, and my handyman can't always make it to the appointments that we usually buy those from wholesalers. Mm -hmm. They have like one hour windows randomly I've been having an issue where my contractor can't make it to those, um, but he's the one that I trust, and pretty much every contractor's busy. I've, I've reached out to two or three other ones that I, you know, are my second and third position contractors. What would you guys recommend in that situation? I ask all the sellers for videos, but they're short, like 30 second videos. Yeah. And they're not going to be yeah. right. You can, I, I, I believe I've seen some people do it where you can just hire somebody to just go out and take a video for you, like $1,500, and they take a video. And then boom, cover everything you need. There's apps for that. There's apps for that. Actually. Yeah. My husband did that for there's different ways. Because I've gotten, I gotten videos from wholesalers. It was 30 seconds of a guy's ear, and I'm like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. You're, you're in that situation. Right. What do you do? Yep. So I'll send my comp. So right now, my acquisition manager, she goes through. She knows how to compute. You know, our max allowable offer when she's on site, or if she doesn't feel comfortable, she'll bring it back to me to underwrite and then she'll present the offer to the, the motivated seller, and then we'll get the contract. And I re, right now, I don't bring my lead contractor in until after we get under contract, because he's working, he's leading the crews on the other sites. But they're on your team, so you trust them, and they're Right, and her and I have had conversations. And before, it used to be just my contractor. Before I had an acquisition manager, um, and that just happened November last year, that I would call him up like, hey, we got a homeowner at X time, can you be there? And he, he, he was accommodating. So I think that's the biggest thing is just figuring out how would that lead contractor, can he, is somebody else on his team that he can empower that'll be flexible? And if not, then you just gotta identify that, find that person that can work and then train them on what you care about. And even if you can align him and your contractor maybe on one or two visits so they can get familiar with each other and what to look at and then now that person can go off and, and be good.
we're going to get to the scope of work and go through. Because that's one of the big things with the actual details. I don't think that video is going to play. But you want to walk through at the end of the day. You want to walk through and go through um, the properties and make sure, because that's your opportunity to understand, hey, what it is that needs to be done with the property and make sure that you make the right price. Um, but when you go into your contractor estimates, you need to understand, you know, hey, up front, hey, get multiple estimates. Until you get the right contractor and you get a feel for the pricing with them, hey, it's okay to get multiple estimates from multiple contractors to see what they're going to charge you. Your statement and work, that's, gonna, that's like gold. You know, because that's what every, you're going to live and breathe and die by that statement of work because it's a contract between you and the contractor on what he's going on the hook to provide at that property. Materials, is the contractor pay, he paying for materials, he or she, or are you on the hook to provide materials? I'll tell you, contractors mark up materials. If they're buying the materials, there's going to be a markup on there. Um, if they're having to go pick them up, they're going to probably charge you a little bit extra for that. So that's something to think through with going just depending on how your business is set up that you may be able to get your home, you know, you get your pro account with Home Depot, you know, and get that set up where you can pay all the materials, you can get cash back on your credit cards, um, you can get, you know, the different incentives that, uh, that the, our group has and things like that, whereas it can be beneficial for you to take care of that expense versus them. And starting off, you may not have the, 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 the income or you may not be able to project out and know what materials you're gonna need. And so, in the, but the contractor can tell you that and give you that, like, hey, this is what we're gonna need and whether or not you're gonna provide it. Have the schedule. They need to provide you a schedule on the project and you need to agree that, hey, this is the, the, the schedule that I wanna to try to go and if it's not aggressive enough or is it too lax, it's two months to do the project and it should be a four week project, let them know. And then understand, hey, what is going on? Like, is your crews tied up across multiple contracts? Or, you know, or is it what it, what's going on? And just understand what it is that's impacting your, your project because nobody cares about your project more than you. And so having that conversation on the schedule is, is critical. And then also the payment schedule in that process. Do they need 30% up front? Or are they gonna be looking to get paid each week uh, what, the, what the draw request is? And you, need, you all need to have that conversation up front before the work starts. So going into the relationship, going into the project, you all are on the same page on how everything's gonna execute and how that's gonna happen. And if it's not in the statement of work, then they're gonna charge you with a change order. If you come up like, oh yeah, I really wanna tear this wall down now. That's gonna be a change order and it's gonna be added on some additional scope that wasn't agreed to. And so it, now you're getting the scope creep where the cost of your, your renovation is gonna go up as things change post um, identifying the statement of work. Yeah, on the two bottom things, two, those are two of the biggest things I'll kill you. Your payment schedules um, as far as, and how, to, how they're gonna get paid. Um, they, there's some people that have the motto, never pay anything down, and other people, they pay a little bit down, but you never give them more than 25% down. 25, maybe 30. The more you get a better work, working relationship, you can give them a little bit less, but there's gotta be some sort of leap of faith on both sides here, because you know, they don't know you, you don't know them until you go work together. But never let your house sell, never let them get ahead of you by more than a, a few, few dollars, because what'll happen is they get so far ahead of you, or, and they have all the money, or they're front-loaded, they have no incentive to come back. Uh, if something goes wrong or something slows down, then they just throw their hands up like, oh, you know what, I made enough money, and then you're on the hook, and then you're behind the eight ball by $10,000. Um, the other thing with that is, with your payment schedule, in your scope of work, you're gonna draw, in draw schedules and guidelines for that. Always inspect the work to get the guideline, to meet the guidelines to pay. A lot of times they'll tell you, oh yeah, I did this, whatever, blah, 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 and you just take their word for it, and the next thing you know, you go out there and walk around, it's not done. 
and then how are you going to get your money back? You're not, it's not a matter of you're going to get your money back. It's a matter of, yeah, you got to get back in there to do more work. So I never, I never make a payment unless they can either confirm it with a picture or a site inspection by myself to do that. And as far as change orders, um, I usually write in for a small amount. Hey, anything less than this, just go ahead and do it, and then don't worry about it. But anything over X amount of money has to be okayed by me. Um, cause some, and I hate it when a guy will make a change. It, it may be obvious, it may not be, but they'll make the change, do the repair, then come back and say, oh, it's going to cost you X amount of money. And then my top of my head blows <laughs> off because it's like, do you take your car to a garage and just let them fix it and then tell you how much it's going to cost? Hell no. You know, so it's the same way with the house. If there's a problem, confirm it before you actually make a payment or make a change. So. Are you doing labor and material together or are you just doing labor? What are you doing? What's that? Are you doing labor and material together or are you just doing labor? What are you doing? So you're doing just labor. I mean, it's, to me, it's reasonable. I mean, it's, it, actually, to me, it's a little bit low. Um, but again, I'm, I have a different risk tolerance and I'll be quick to fire a contractor. So before I get too far behind. Yeah, no, I think that's it's reasonable. It's, and, and it comes down to what you feel comfortable with, with that individual, because each contractor is going to be different. They're, they're, the sophistication, like I have tradesmen that work for me that don't have a license, that do all my sheetrock, flooring, paint, things like that. But like when I have like stuff I need to pull permits, I got, I got my electrician, I got my, my roofing company, my HVAC company to go to, that kind of go through with those subs to go come out and um, perform the work. So really just, you know, build that relationship. But just know, you know, different contractors that, you know, they're in business, a lot of them may be new to business or they don't run it like a business. They're inefficient, they're living week to week. And so, you know, the guys with the fancy trucks, with the advertising and everything, they're gonna cost a little more than the guy, the, the tradesman is just living job to job. And so you just gotta know, they may, both may do great work, but just know both of them, you know, for us, the, the money and the liability insurance and things like that, that they, had, they, don't, they may not have that on one side and then the other side of the spectrum, you got everybody, which is a little bit more expensive. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think it's like $300 or less. Yeah, I mean, I, very rarely do I use it because he just says, hey, look, so-and-so popped up and they'll send me a picture. And it's some, like, I just got a picture this morning. The windows are dry rotted out. Well, no, duh, then we got to replace the framing. But then we got to negotiate the price. Like, the guy wants X amount of money now, nah, let get him lower. And he knows what to do. So it's like, just handle it and send me the bill. So, um, trick for the down payment for uh, contractors. Because everybody went, oh, I want 30%, I want this, I want that. If they're looking for a large amount of money, I'd simply tell them, hey, look, I don't know you, you don't know me, how about we do this? If you want $10,000 up front, how about we go do five up front and I'll front load your first draw? And we'll split it up and make it like you'll make that money within two weeks. Because your first draw should be for within two weeks anyway, framing, demo, all that stuff. You can knock all that stuff out in two weeks. So instead of getting all your money here, you'll get it over two weeks. And that way you'll get some work out of them at least it'll show that they're gonna actually work for you instead of just taking your money and disappearing. So, and a lot of times that works out. So we haven't been a successful deal with that, but I always wondered why people don't say, like, never put a deposit down, like, never pay the head, because, we, I mean, we've done, like, what, five flips now. Um, 
more than that, but we lost like 15 grand to one contractor because he just failed on the job and all his guys left. And that was a big deal for us because we had to hold the house for like a year. Wow. No, no, I, uh, I have a tendency to hold on to people too long. Um, but, but I have a great familiarity with the, my people, so it's like, you know, actually, I don't give out that much money. I've given out, I think, as much as like $15,000 up front. Um, but that was for somebody that did like eight or nine projects, and they were all successful. So, you know, I don't have an issue with that. But, that was on one project you gave yeah, 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 yeah. But he, had, he was already on three other ones with me, and it was like, you know, it's, it's, he was at the GC. It was labor and material included, so that's why it was a little bit higher. But my ones now are just labor, and it's a little bit lower. So, yep. And I've been with my my lead guy in Panama City for three years, and uh, just getting ramped up. But when I was in Birmingham, virtually 2016, 2017, had the fire contractor on site. Um, he didn't get paid on another job, and his crews left. And I go down to Birmingham. I'm like, what's what's going taking so long? Him and his wife, and they're painting, trying to do the work themselves. And it was like, yeah. So I had to hire a whole new contractor to lead that, and just the cost went up and things like that. It was still successful, but it, it happens. And that's where the leadership comes in and where you all have to step up and manage through those situations that, you know, you're going to have contractor situations pop up. And so what are, what's the plan? What are you going to do? you got to continue to be networking, working with other investors in your market, talking to other contractors, going to your RIA, where it's that you know so-and-so did a good job for this investor. And when something happens, you know who you can call and reach out in your network. No, you want to get paperwork to have a termination of contract. Um, if, if you can get them to sign it, you may not even be able to get them to sign it. And, uh, and do the, uh, the waiver lien. Uh, that's another big one where they don't come back and try to put a lien against your property and then it gets tied up in litigation. And, and that's a challenge, especially if you're trying to sell. Yeah, get, get the, waiver release, the waiver of lien release. And, uh, and again, sometimes you have to negotiate it, but I, I think most times guys are going to know when they're going to get fired and they know for what reason, and they don't really have a, any recourse to it. Um, and they just, I've, so far, I've never had a problem with it. Um, some guys just walk away and never sign anything, and then yeah. 
never come back because they know they were wrong to begin with. Um, other guys, I've actually had a contract where I had to actually pay him. That's because I was so tight on the money. So he was, he was so far ahead on like three projects. I think I wrote, wrote a check for like eight or nine thousand dollars just to make him whole to get the hell out. Um, but it, it just varies with different things. And then you just get them to sign that release and then just keep on moving, you know? I'm glad you shared that because that has happened to us too. We're like, we don't, it's not like we're not trying to make sure everybody gets taken care of, but sometimes you're doing so many projects and, you know, they got to feed house, you know, their family. Oh yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's legit. I mean, it's yeah. like, hey, look, you passed this milestone, you weren't paid for it, and it wasn't on my end. Now, I don't chase my guys to make payments. Yeah. <laughs> but if you come to me, I pay usually within like 48 to 72 hours. I pay out every Thursday. Checks are written Thursday, you cash it Friday. So if you don't come to me, I'm not like, hey, you didn't get your check. So he didn't come to me and stuff dragged along and he ended up having to go and he knew it. And I was like, all right, well, then we just sat down, hashed it out. I owed him like all this money and said, you know what? You earned it. I'm not going to keep it from you. You know, you did the project. I could have taken it back, but bad karma. So I just wrote him a check. Matter of fact, he was the one that texted me this morning. He's still trying to work for me. And it's like, eh. he had a rough time, though, so whatever. But. End every project. I do it for the end of every project. Some people recommend doing it on every draw. I think that's a little bit overkill, but at the end of every project, I have them sign off on it, and then that way they can't come back. Yep. So statement of work, you guys think about this. Is this, this pretty good, this layout here? This is for one of my projects, uh, the one we did in Birmingham in January we purchased. And a new contractor, my first time working with him. Um, I did a joint venture with this one with the guy, Boots on the Ground. The guy had done some good work for him, and I was like, okay, well, send me, send me the statement of work. And so we went through, and he, this is what he ended up providing. And this is one page? Yeah. Wow. Okay. And I was like, uh, yeah, that's all right, but, you know, 30% deposit required up front, and 30% required each completed section, how they had it laid out with the, with the work, and you see all the one business day and payment schedule. But I was like, yeah, no, we need to have a little bit more specificity to it. And so when we came back, I was like, and this was, this was just labor only, and we had to provide materials. But what I wanted him to do is actually go in, there you and go. he went back, updated email, and I wanted to see line items. And that's, that's what you always want to have, the line items, where is that you can understand what each task is costing you line by line for the work. And then after you get that level of detail, now you can go back and compare, hey, your next project. Okay, this is what I'm paying for my HVACs. This is what I'm paying for my sheetrock, for my paint. You can add in your square footage, and now you're starting to get a good baseline of what uh, your, your expenses are when it comes to your labor and material for your market, and just kind of going through um, and just understanding that, that level of detail. In which it worked out, I was like, okay, yep, the, kind of talk, the costs were within tolerance uh, when, it add, when it all added up. Was this in the uh, Birmingham uh, market, or was this in the... Mm -hmm. Yep, Birmingham. Some of your scopes can be as light as that. My scope is personally like eight to 10 pages. Um, so you can do it different ways. You can do it where you go room by room and with everything that's going to happen in there, or you can go trade by trade, whatever, as long as it's covered somewhere and documented what's going to happen for everybody that's going to be on that job site. So then there can never be any question. But there's, it can be as light as you want, or it can be as thick and dense as you want it, but it has to be there. And like with my Panama City, got my lead guys that my scope of work is like, it's in a WhatsApp message. 
but that's that's how we work for the the labor piece. If he's not doing the electrical and the plumbers like, hey, we need sheetrock paint, cabinets painted, and go through and we lay it out and and they go. And uh, but I built we built up that relationship. We work well together, and they pretty, they're almost exclusively just working with me. So yeah, once you um, build that piece up, and then you have the same people doing it, it's almost like a paste kind of thing yeah. they already know what they got to do except for like the small changes you're making for a different kind of room or a different bathroom or a different kitchen but just keep it right on rolling if uh everyone says that i talk to like only pay for work that's 100 percent completed so if you have this kind of scope of work i've had trouble like determining okay well like some of this work is done but we can't complete the bathroom because we gotta you know this other thing's done, so we can't really get that done because all the trades aren't done in there. So how do you guys do that as far as the draws and completion and how much you pay? Draw mine out is pretty simple. Um, it's always for a deposit, then the second draw real quick right behind that is going to be demo, framing, permits pulled. Um, if there's any exterior work and we're rolling into winter or something like that to get all that done and out of the way, and that's pretty much it, or something that's specific that you want done, um, that's it. And then the next one usually for me is all my roughs, rough plumbing, rough electrical, rough HVAC, whatever that is, to get that done. And then, and they hate that because they have no control over that because they're not, unless they're the GC of the whole thing, they have no control over that because they're waiting on somebody else. And then the other one, the next one is completion of sheetrock. So, and that'll go right to your question. Um, your rough plumbing's already gonna be done. All right, so the stuff for your bathroom is already there. Your sheetrock is already going to be done because that's going to be in the draw. So pretty much what's going to be next in your bathroom? Just your finishes. So the next one after sheetrock complete is tiling and kitchen. And then it's the last one after that is job complete in its entirety. So the bathroom will fall in one of those two phases. So you can actually walk in your bathroom. You can see it's not done, but you know it's going to get covered in the next phase for finishes or for your tiling. Um, and I'll, give, I'll cut a guy. I don't like to break up my drawers at all, but I'll understand, like, hey, if I got the sheetrock and I got the tub and I got the rough plumbing, 95% chance I'm going to get my tile worked on. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm not a great stickler with that, but sometimes you have to be. But most times, if you get 90% of it there, you're probably going to get that last 10% done, too. So that's how you can sort of break that down. Make sense? And yeah. Same thing. Nothing changes. They just take your place instead of me, you actually checking it. They check it. Well, right. I'm talking about setting up with them. You don't pay them up front anything. Well, that's going to be different because I don't. Yeah. Johnny, do you employ a project manager at all? No. I, I mean, if I do, and when I'm, I'm eventually going to have to. I'm getting tired of driving the projects. Um, I'm hearing everything from commission-based with a small base salary, um, stuff like that, and then that's how it goes. Something to keep them in the game, and then they get a per percentage of, let's say, maybe if they save money on rehab costs, they get the difference. Um, if we save money on timeline, they get a percentage of that. Profits, whatever it is, incentivize it. My lead contractor kind of pseudo he they do all my work, so he kind of is the pseudo project project manager, my lead guy. So, um, Home Depot account, if you don't have a pro account, I, I encourage you guys to get one. It makes it simple with like managing, seeing what you're spending on materials and things like that. 
And, but the big takeaway what I wanted to show you guys is like, you, you know, you see HDTV, everything's custom. And for me, one of the things that helps us go faster and, and keep my guys where they're not coming back to me over and over again is like, well, if you go look at all my houses, most of my houses look the same. Same colors, color scheme, um, for the color, the floors, the same vinyl plank, unless we may switch up if they're out of stock of one during a time, um, a certain time that we'll go with a, the next best thing in the same price range. Same paint colors, and it gets predictable. Same light fixtures, and when they go up, they, they know exactly what to go in there and buy, and you become predictable when it comes to it, and you're, it's a system, and it's cookie cutter, and then now you can move a whole lot faster, and you can project your costs real fast, because you can just go back in here and grab the same amount of the certain SKU numbers and put your list together, all your materials, fairly quickly, and go through and, and, and do it. And so I encourage you guys to kind of think through, look at what's selling in your market, um, the, the color schemes, the flooring colors, the countertops and all of that. And then just kind of put like, hey, this is kind of like my baseline house for a standard cookie cutter house that we do. And uh, put your own stamp on it. Uh, and I know pre-COVID with all the, the material backlogs and everything like that, you used to actually be able to take a, a hyperlink of these items. And I'm not a computer geek. A hyperlink of these items, I think that's what it's called, and put that right in your scope and give it to your contractor. And they just click on it and they can order it right there. And I believe in runway somewhere there was a scope of work like that. Now, if it's still up to date, I don't know because everything's switched. I, I even stopped doing this kind of shopping because they were out of order on stuff. And I was like, you know what? I'm not dealing with it no more. Somebody else deal with it. So, but that's a good thing to have. Everything's the same. Yep, you can click on it and, and go in and see like the per item cost. But yeah, this is just a big a roll up for the account. And so when you go in, you can see you have the project names. And so you can see like the property names uh, here for the job names. And so you can lay out, see how much, how much material I spent on each one of my projects. And then you can go in and look at like the material, the sales view. And you can see exactly um, what you spent per, um, Per line, per line item of materials and go through all the way to like the last one at the, you can scroll all the way down through all, but you can see kind of where the majority of money's going. What about buying materials in bulk? I know it's a little bit harder to maybe allocate the cost of the job, but sometimes you can get better deals. Or if I, I find sometimes availability is now an issue. So if I get like a bunch of this sort of light fixtures that I like, do you guys ever do that? Or? It, the thing with that is, one, you have to, tr unless you have your own storage facility or your own garage, you have to trust the person that's going to buy them or store them for you. Because like, I just did the same thing the other day. I bought 25 lights, and I have no idea where they're going to go. I just know I have 15 projects, and I know I'm going to use them. But now I have to watch out that I don't get charged for them down the road. Like, well, wait a minute. I'm at light number 23. Why am I being charged for it? I already paid for these. Um, but I am actually thinking about getting a storage facility and just throwing everything in there. But then when you do that, you have to have an inventory tracking, and then that way nothing's missing, whatever. So you got to be careful with that. Yep.
it, it sounds like a good idea, but just be mindful of it. Yep, um, I use Asana. I know we got a couple of templates floating around in the groups, but uh, and I just and you you can use those tools, and uh, there's some templates out there to help manage, and uh, or you don't have to. Before I didn't use any tool of really project manage. You know, I would have my statement of work invoice, and then I'm measuring that going through and seeing as as, it, as the jobs are done. But now I have my executive assistant, um, who's a VA, and he just he manages, takes the pictures, upload contracts all that stuff inside of Asana for me. Bill, and, and Bill Allen came out with a great tool for project management. And he actually gave it out at Flip Hacking Live last year. I think everybody has one. Yep. One of these black leather notebooks. And you flip it open, no word of yep. a lie. Flip it open and you just take notes and just keep on rolling. And to put a date by it and keep on rolling. Yep. So. Yeah, it doesn't I'm, have to I'm be old school, I don't. Yep. I'm old school, I'm technologically challenged. Yeah, and so exactly, it's, you could be as elaborate as you want to, but don't let that hinder you from managing, because just getting out there and having a conversation, talking, jotting down in your notebook in your car, your truck, and then going on, and, and you're good. And that goes kind of into execution. Ex manage the plan, walk through your projects at least weekly, and communicate, over-communicate with your contracting team to make sure that you are in line with them, everything is going, so you're not surprised by anything that's coming up, because you guys have that, that communication. Even if it's just a text message, if you can't get by there in person that day, or whatever it may be, um, you go through and, th and change is gonna happen. Like you said, you found rotted wood window frame. You got You're gonna have to modify. There's gonna be things that come up unexpected, but be ready for those. And when they come, you know, figure out a solution and be creative and work through it in order to, to get across the finish line. Um, I just for me personally, communication in all aspects of business is really really important, and I run into a lot of with contractors that feel like they have See, that goes back to in the very beginning, we said set the expectation. So as soon as you have a contractor that you know you're going to work with, or you're going to identify with, you got to let them know, hey, look, you may, you may not have to meet them at least once a week, but phone call. I do two calls a week, Monday and Thursday. Monday to start the week, Thursday to follow up on what we talked about on Monday or if something came up that didn't get done. And it's, you know, I don't have to meet them. I have different projects going on, so I don't have to meet them and have them take time out of their day, but you're going to at least talk to me. And that should be the same way with your contractor. Um, any, any good one would much prefer to pick up the phone and talk to you, and then you know, you'll be fine. And if somebody doesn't want to do that, they're not a fit for you.